Downsizing is sometimes necessary for finances. Sometimes it's necessary just for your your peace of mind and your health, uh, just to have a, a house to stay in in retirement, maybe a one-level living uh, type home. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Hello and welcome in to Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George. He is Mike Coynan, founder and owner over at Principal Preservation Services. They have an office in Woodbury, Minnesota and Hudson, Wisconsin, right across the border from each other. So whatever is more convenient for you. But you can always find them online no matter where you are at principalpreservationservices.com. Mike, welcome in. How are you? I'm awesome. It's spring and um, we have, uh, I saw a lot of the, <laughs> the NFL teams are back and uh, spring training, in a sense. Uh, yeah. I forget what they call it there in the NFL, but um, getting ready for that next football season. But I just love summer. I'm looking forward to mowing the lawn and being outside with the kids and um, getting some projects done that we've been we didn't get to finish up last year. So it's uh, roughly that four or five months that we get to be outside a lot is <laughs> uh, important here up here in the Midwest. We get that vitamin D. Yeah, no question. And, you know, another thing about spring is that's kind of the time when the housing market really picks back up again. And I know we've been in a a time where, you know, housing markets everywhere have been hot and they haven't really slowed Mm -hmm. down at all. But I'm sure that you probably get a lot of questions about housing from retirees, right? Which is why we want to dive into that today. Yeah, all the time. People are are buying their retirement home or they're buying a second home or they're making smaller homes. It's happening all the time we've just had a, a few clients just buy recently in florida so um and some people looking to move to florida or looking to move to south dakota even so very good yeah. well we're going to talk about some of the common housing questions that mike and his team receives because it is a really important topic for a lot of retirees and it's you know for most of us it's going to be the biggest asset we'll ever own or manage. So we want to make sure we get that part of the financial equation correct. And it's no surprise that you know it takes up a nice slice of the retirement planning conversation. So we're going to go through some of these common questions that we get and hopefully hit on an issue or two that might be on your mind as well. And again, if you want to follow up with anything we talk about, want to discuss your housing situation specifically with Mike, you can always call him at 855-987-8888, or you can also schedule a meeting online at Principal Preservation Services. Dot com. All right. Well, we know that interest rates have been creeping back up a little bit, Mike, this year, but they still are historically low. And with them mm-hmm. so low, do you think it's best for someone to try to pay off their house quickly or continue to just pay as little as possible? Yeah, there's two points to that. If you have money in the bank to pay off your mortgage, you know, money that's not earning anything, I think that's a good idea. I'm a big fan of being debt free. Um, so I think that's great. But like you said, interest rates are so low and you know, you might be in the far back of your mortgage. If you had a 30-year mortgage or even a 15-year, but you're, you only have two or three or four years left, most of that those payments are going towards principal and very little to interest when you're getting close to the end. So it doesn't make sense to take money from uh, in a retirement account like an IRA, 401k, so on, to take a withdrawal from that, pay taxes on that. And let's just say you're at the 22% tax bracket plus whatever state you know, tax rate you're at, let's just say you're, you know, Minnesota seven and a half roughly uh, on average. So you're paying almost 30% in taxes to maybe have $50,000 left and you take 50,000 out of your IRA. So now you're paying almost 30% taxes of that 50. So, you know, we're talking about 15 grand in taxes. Well, you wouldn't be paying even $15,000 of maybe interest in the last five years. Um, So 
it doesn't make sense to do that. But if you have maybe money sitting in account, some people have some very large savings accounts or maybe inherited some money and that money's sitting there and it's, you know, you got, you know, 90, 125,000, whatever it might be in the bank. I was like, why is that sitting there earning nothing when you're paying your mortgage? Be debt free, get rid of this. And uh, just to, you know, so it's different for situ every situation, but don't take money from your, from your uh, IRAs to do so. All right, good to know. I know one conversation that comes up quite a bit is, hey, should I downsize my home? And, and you might be thinking, well, I don't have any kids to worry about anymore. I don't have, <clears throat> I got a lot of this extra space and I'm having to manage yeah. and, and keep up with. So downsizing makes a lot of sense. Do you think that's wise from a financial planning standpoint to downsize? Sometimes it's necessary. Unfortunately, sometimes um, people had a big home and maybe they didn't have as much retirement. And some people have to downsize you know, maybe you're going from a $750,000 home to maybe a $400,000 home. Um, and then uh, having that equity to invest for retirement. So sometimes it is necessary to do so. But also from a physical standpoint, it's necessary sometimes when you raise your children, you have this two-story home, and now you know, we're older and laundry's upstairs and um, you know, knees are bad and you're going through knee replacements or hip replacements and uh, or just you know, not feeling well to be doing that. So, uh, or maybe just having a property on a lot of land and it's just too much to upkeep. So we had a recent client come in and they're uh, moving to a townhome because they're like, I don't have to mow. I don't have to do the plowing. It's just low maintenance. And we have, you know, a couple hours of yard work every week that we have to do. Otherwise it just gets out of control. So downsizing is sometimes necessary for finances sometimes it's necessary just for your your peace of mind and your health uh, just to have a, a house to stay in in retirement maybe a one level living uh, type home yeah it's definitely something that a lot of people have to think about and uh, and talk with your advisor about it whether or not it makes sense in a lot of cases uh, home equity line you know i think about this mike and i think now, like for me, I've thought about it for people that are looking to buy a new home. Maybe it's a good way to, to maybe borrow some money to help make that down payment or make other major purchases like home upgrades or new cars or even big medical bills. Do you think that's a good place to turn for those options? Yeah, it's, it's better than credit cards but um, because you can deduct the interest um, as long as your loans are, if you're married, your your home mortgage loans, first and seconds are totaling up to 750000 It can be a tax deductible interest. Uh, or if you're single, up to three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in loans um, could be tax deductible on your taxes. But um, the problem what I see with the home equity loans is, first of all, the interest rates are climbing. You know, so as the Fed's keeps raising rates, the prime rates are going up. Your home equity lines will keep rising as well over time. And when you make the payments on these home equity lines, they're super cheap. Um, you know, you're only paying interest. They only expect you to pay the interest and the simple interest. So we're finding people who have these home equity lines. They don't usually pay off the debts um, unless, you know, maybe they get the first loan paid off or they do a refinance. Um, they just keep making that small payment and then they can pay it down. Some people get it paid down and like a credit card, they use it again. And they, it seems like it's a never ending cycle with the home equity line of credit. That's my biggest pet peeve because I'm a fan of being debt free. Um, so I find people who have had these a while, they just, they don't get them paid off. Um, and it's kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll always rely on that home equity line of credit uh, instead of maybe delayed gratification and saving money up uh, to get things done. So it's better than credit cards, yes, 
because uh, it can be some tax deductible. But if you're not itemizing your taxes, you know, you're not going to get um, these deductions reality anyway. So it's it could be a, a moot point on that. But especially with rising interest rates, I wouldn't be looking at any home equity line of credits anytime soon because you, you might be at a starting point of three or three and a half, four, and who knows what it could be in three years. It might be up to seven or eight. And I don't think you're going to want to have a home equity line at seven or eight percent with, you know, 50 to 100,000 on it. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Uh, another thing people think about with their house is how to handle it in terms of passing it along to their children. So a question that comes up from time to time, Mike, is whether or not you should sign your house over your kids nope. so they can't. <laughs> so I don't have to finish the question. huh? Yeah. So they don't have to force the sell of it maybe down the road in order to pay for nursing home costs. Yeah, there's there's a big, you know, it's, that's not estate planning. I mean, some people put their kids' names onto the house um, to avoid, you know, probate, that will avoid probate. Uh, but what it does not do is if you add your kids' names to your home and they're not living in the home with you, it's not their primary residence. So one thing it doesn't avoid is capital gains taxes. So let's just say you pay $250,000 for your home. It's worth a half a million today. You put to your children's name on the home. Um you pass on, they get the home. No court because they're owners as well. Great. But now they have to pay capital gains on that difference between what the house was worth when you paid for it to what it's worth upon um, when you passed. So that's a thing that we really don't want you to do, but also exposes you to unnecessary um, risks of um, lawsuits. Uh, what happens if your children, unfortunately, had to get in a lawsuit? Uh, maybe I had a client like this, uh, this is years ago, daughter got in a bad car accident, got sued above the car policy, and they went after assets. Um, she was on the bank accounts, so they actually went after the bank accounts. But what if you put your kids' names on your house? Well, that's an asset that they own as well. So now they can go after your home, put liens against your property. Also, community property states like Wisconsin, you put your son's name in um, on the house and he's married, they go through divorce. Well, now she has rights to that property. Um, because they are married and so she had rights to your property if you put the name on it. Don't do things like that. There's proper ways uh, through estate planning documents like a transfer on death deed that will do it upon death. Um, there's, uh, which I like, revocable living trust. You get those done right with an attorney and those the proper documents are filed at the county um, that states, a quick claim deed states that the house is in the trust and when you pass on, it just follows the rules of the trust. So there is no court, um, no probate court, and there's none of these capital gains taxes as well. That's what you should be doing instead of adding your children's name to the home. Gotcha. What other complications are there um, with the house that it could create when it comes to estate planning? A lot of people are thinking about putting your children's name on the house to a, for nursing home or you know, gifting your house to the, the kids. Again, that's still a capital gains issue, but there's also that five-year look back um, that goes with any of these assets. So what if you gift your children the home and less than five years you go to the nursing home, they're still going to go after your, you know, the, the asset. Mm -hmm. So it's not free and clear to those children as well. So um, the key is just getting your state plan documents done, meet with an estate planning attorney who does that. We don't do these documents in the office, of course. We just refer off to the experts that we know that will do a good job. Um, you, you just, uh, and there's, you know, revocable living trust, which we recommend, are not nursing home pre prevention tools. And I think they're sold that way to a lot of people. So I got my house in the trust, so now the nursing home can't get my, my house. I said, no, it, 
only thing that revocable living trust did is make the transfer of your assets pretty much simple uh, when you pass. It mm -hmm. does not protect your house from the nursing home. So you just need to understand, uh, you know, that that planning of that that piece. Okay. All right. Last one I got for you, Mike. Reverse mortgages. I quickly explain what these are and. Are they a good idea? For most people, no. I'm not a fan. They glorify them on TV like everybody should have it. Every retiree should have it. They bring up these, you know, these TV sitcom stars from the 80s and that we all liked back then, Tom Selleck and Guy from Heart to Heart or whoever it was. Um, everybody should have a, a reverse mortgage. Reality is maybe, maybe one out of 100 maybe should have it. Where are the situations I recommend having reverse mortgage? Well, um, for some people who are never had children, they don't really care to give their estate to anybody. Um, they don't, you know, they said, oh, I don't want my nephews and nieces. I mean, they don't need to have my house. I mean, this is our equity. So if they need it, they want to spend that money and tap into the equity of their house in a reverse mortgage. Yeah, that might be a good, good situation. But I think for most, the most need for reverse mortgage is maybe a widow, a widow, widower situation where you lost a spouse. So you're down one of the social securities and um, or maybe even lost a pension or part of the pension. And this is the only way to stay in the house is to tap into the equity of your house, to stay in that property. Otherwise, it, you know, are they gonna be happy living in an apartment, selling the house and then living in an apartment living or you know, some kind of condo, senior living condo? Uh, most likely not for a lot of people. So this is, I wanna be at home in retirement for the rest of my life. Um, I'm gonna use the equity of my home to stay there and that would be the situation. But most people aren't needing to do that. Um, but they feel like by watching these TV commercials that everybody's doing it. But reality is, um, I know one person in the last like five years that's done a reverse mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so, and not many people are doing them. Good to know. Well, if you have questions again about your house, some things you want to think about, or some maybe things that kind of piqued your interest today on these question and answer session, then make sure you reach out to Mike. You can do so principalpreservationservices.com or over the phone at 855-987-8888. All right, we got to open up the mailbag. A couple of questions to get to today before we close it out. Let's talk about one from Tracy. She says, I tend to cry anytime I talk about money. I don't really know why. That's just how I've always been. I'm worried that I'll just end up working until I'm 80 because I'm too scared to sit down and put together a plan for my retirement. What would you do for a head case like me? Well, don't beat yourself up, Tracy. Um, you know, I think you're afraid of the unknown. Yeah, you know, and you don't know what you don't know, right? So you have to take that time instead of having this anxiety and this stress that you're you're feeling. Um, you get a plan done. To see the numbers. I think a lot of people are surprised that they don't have to work as long as they thought. Uh, a lot of people come in our office and they're retiring a few years sooner than they thought. So the key is don't get stressed out over, you know, the old, you know, overspilled milk, right? You don't know what the future is really going to be until you actually sit down and do a plan. And I think what a lot of retirees are, you know, when you're stressed out from your job as well, uh, you very well could be, is you know, a lot of people can do with without some things just to have that freedom to be retired. And so even my mom, when she retired, I don't know, it was eight years ago now, um, she thought she was going to work part-time. And after she enjoyed the first month off in retirement, she goes, you know what? I'm not going to go back part-time. I've, I've done with less than I've done before. You know, what I'm living on now, I can do without. And um, she just made that decision. And I think that's the key is get that plan done. Find out what it's going to take for you to stay and get retired. All right, one more here. Let's take one from Catherine. 
who says, I've always heard people talk about the importance of life insurance, but I never fully grasped the importance of it until my husband died unexpectedly last month at the age of 61, and I got a check for 250000 almost immediately. It's very comforting to know the money is there, but now I don't know what to do with it. What would you suggest? Yeah, well, that's great that um, you guys had that life insurance in place, so that, that's awesome. Um, don't make any rash decisions, first of all. Come in with a planner like somebody like we do and, and figure out what is the best place for that. We want to get in details. I, I've seen too many people make mistakes who have lost a spouse, gotten their life insurance, and just listen to the advisor and they put it in some you know, some mutual fund or they put in some non-traded REITs, some very aggressive uh, alternative investment where you can't touch your money for a while. Um, but you know, some people are out there just to make a quick buck and they make these upfront commissions on these uh, some of these um, investments. You don't want to jump on anything. You want to make sure what is the right piece. You want to make sure you have enough money for emergencies. Do you have any big expenses coming up? Should you use it towards the debt? Uh, should you invest some of it? Might be a combination of all that, but the key is don't make anything anything rash. Uh, make sure you sit down with somebody and figure out what is the best place to do with that money. All right, thank you for that question, Catherine and Tracy. We appreciate it. If you have one for us, we'd love to hear from you. PrincipalPreservationServices.com is the website. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We're on every major podcasting platform. You'll find us there. And also, check out Mike's YouTube channel, Retirement Reality On Demand. More great content there to help you with your financial education. Mike, thanks for the time as always. Uh, look forward to t- catching up with you again soon. Sounds good, Ben. We'll see you soon. Great job as, as always. <laughs> You've always do a good job here. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reality Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.